And then um, what we'll do is like if I give like a timeout or something, that means like we'll stop recording there, we'll save the file and then we'll do another countdown and go to the next section, alright? So when I do like a of like this thought or this segment will um, stop and then we'll um, like save our file and then we'll start the next bit cool awesome alrighty I'll count us in three two one G'day everyone and welcome to episode 36 of Double Jumper Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Sabia, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, John. John, how are you, mate? Hey there. Um, doing all right. Nothing too much. <laughs> not not too much eventful. Gonna leave. New, new microphone day. Yeah. I'm kind of curious how it comes out through this time because like, it has to be a little different. Well, I think I've got it all set yeah. up, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's, oh, oh, you can already... Uh, feel the hear the depth of your voice in there which is good oh good, is that's, good. that's definitely what i was aiming for <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've got a very special guest uh first time uh co-host is uh kate from double jump kate how are you hi uh i'm good <laughs> trapped in lockdown as a lot of us in victoria are but not much else we can do about it at this point i'm double back <laughs> yeah. so you know hopefully we'll be that's out good. soon <laughs> I know, hopefully, hopefully. I think New South Wales just opened up, bastards. But yeah, also... my pa- my parents are now free, but they're very annoyed because they're like they're basically sitting there going, huh, we can probably go travel to Europe by the end of the year, but we can't even go see our daughter. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's great. We're not angry at that at all. So <laughs> Yeah, and I like the fact that um the new premier in New South Wales just says, no, nah, we don't need any medical staff to supervise any of the conferences. It's like, oh, okay. Don't even get me started on the new premier. <laughs> He's an interesting <laughs> fellow. He's an interesting dude. <laughs> my my wife's like, um, yeah, he definitely looks like a Bible guy. <laughs> he looks like yeah, he looks like means. an evangelist, an, an evangelist. Yeah. <laughs> my dad had uh, a but, my dad had a nice hmm. rant to me the other day about it, and I was like, oh. don't worry about it, Dad. Don't worry about it. It is fair what enough, it is. <laughs> well. You know, speaking of uh, offering rants to the Kate Kingsmith uh, like uh, tribe, how about we give you the space to talk about Deathloop? Oh my uh, god, it's so good! <laughs> <laughs> For folks at home, Deathloop is the latest release from Arcane Studios, the hallowed developers of, uh, I guess, Prey is included in that now, as Prey, well as uh, Dishonored. Dis- Prey and Dishonored are their modern um, IPs. Mm. Uh, they have been around for a while, though. They did Dark Messiah mm. and Arx Fatalis yep. um, back like in, like, the classic. early 2000s, the 90s, yeah. So, yeah. but, yeah, they made their sort of, like, more modern debut with Dishonored. They've got a really, like, distinctive style, like a really, really distinctive visual style. First-person uh, stabbies. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> like, they seem, I don't know, they seem very interested in, like, period art so whenever they mm. set a piece like a a game in a particular era they seem very focused on making sure all of their aesthetics suit um yeah. like when you look at dishonored particularly you can see a lot of enlightenment painting and like a lot of uh sort of yeah enlightenment style realism going on um in there which is really nice yeah like pre-world war one yeah well not pre-world not... war one stuff 
late uh, eight, not, late nineteenth century. Would you say like Industrial Revolution era? Probably earlier than World War One. Really? Okay, yeah, like it's yeah. it's Industrial Revolution era, and you can see it in a lot of like. Um, you can see it in basically like all the world of Dishonored, because um, mm. like it's like the, the the school of natural philosophy and things like that in the actual oh, okay. world. Yeah, it's very and like the whale oil and things like that. It's really inspired, and they've That's carried true. it over. Yeah, they've carried it over to De- um, Deathloop, and I'm really excited. I think last time Ooh. I was on the podcast, I was very excited about Redfall, which is also an Arkane Studios thing, uh, but it's on the Xbox because you know. <sighs> yes, that was like that uh, vampire. It's like a yeah, like the vampire Left 4 Dead one. style shooter, right? Yeah, yeah, that one. Yep. Uh, because <laughs> Arcane's in a weird situation where Deathloop is a PS5 exclusive that was secured way yeah. before, um, you know, way before <laughs> the Bethesda the acquisition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but now that Bethesda has been acquired by Microsoft, they're doing a um, Xbox exclusive as well, which is coming out with Redfall. Awesome. But so, Deathloop. so what is De- what is Deathloop? Okay, so it's basically. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't describe it as a roguelike. It's got this really sort of unique function where so its whole core game get gameplay loop is that you play as Colt who's the main character well there's two people you can play as but Colt is the main campaign um, and mm. essentially what you is you're stuck in a time loop so the entire area called Black Reef is stuck in a uh, so time loop called the Anomaly uh, and essentially you as Colt and another assassin or another person in the area called Juliana are the only ones who can really remember the loop from day to day. Everyone oh, else doesn't. Cool. Everyone else acts as if it's the first day, so they act as if the the loop yeah. has just been going. Um, mm. But essentially, the core gameplay loop is the idea that you keep resetting after every single day. So you lose your weapons uh, or any other upgrades that you didn't pick up. You can eventually infuse them. That is one of the first few missions that you start doing, where you pick up this stuff called residium, which helps you infuse your weapons. So if you get a particularly good weapon, you infuse it, um, and when you reset, it's back in your inventory, ready to go. Um, so cool. it's not as if, you know, it's perpetually resetting all the time and you just, if you get a really good weapon, you have to let it go. You can keep them. Um, but yeah, that's basically the core gameplay loop. There's four key locations. Um, so Updarm, Carl's Bay, the complex and Fristad Rock. But essentially it turns into about 16 different locations because you can go cool. to all four locations at four different times of the day. Different things will be happening at different times of the day. Uh, and essentially the core uh, thing that you've got to do is there's eight visionaries, so eight people who are essentially driving the loop. They're the ones who are making it keep going. If you kill them all in one day, the loop stops. Um, so that's your mission. You've got to kill, find out a way to kill all visionaries in one day. Um, mm. And then once you figure it out, you've got to go do it. <laughs> you've got to go kill every single visionary in one go. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So that's the main that's the main loop. Um it's uh, like I mentioned this in my review, which I think is one of its weaker points. It's a lot to take in. Um, like I think the first two hours or so you play of the game, you're just literally sitting there going through like text after text of tutorial. Like it's a full three to four wow. hour tutorial section uh, because it's just there's so much to take in uh, all at uh, once. And it's yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, how would you compare it to their last couple of games like Prey and Sonnet? Like in that respect, um, in that respect, I think it definitely overcomes Dishonored's biggest problem. I think, which was that, so with Dishonored, you had this morality system, right? If you wanted the good ending, you really couldn't kill anyone. Um, you had to really be as quiet as possible and go stealth routes. But because in Dishonored, they gave you very little tools to engage with stealth, you just had to play better. 
Um, yeah. But at the same time, they were handing you all of these weapons that you could kill people like in really fun ways. Yeah. And uh, I found playing on a chaos, high chaos run, so the bad the bad ending essentially, that it was actually a lot more fun because yeah. you got to use all of the weapons you never got to use. Uh, Deathloop pretty much evaporates that because there's no morality <laughs> system. So you have all That's the fun great. weapons that you want to use, uh, all the fun powers that you can use as well, and you can just go ham you can kill you're encouraged to kill everyone if you want stealth is just as brutal so there's no non-lethal option here because it's a death loop once everyone dies they just reset and go back to the start again so there's no real consequence initially to killing anyone and in fact that's the whole like i said that's the whole part of it you have to kill the eight visionaries in order to fix the loop so it really overcomes i think death loops death loops (laughs) dishonored's core problem in that it's more fun if you play evilly it just eliminates the morality system. And I think because um, Arcane is so good at combat, like their, their combat is innately just really fun. Um, so I think it really has that element to it. Um, I've only played a little bit of Prey, so I'm not entirely sure how it compares, but I think it's definitely got the ingenuity and like quick thinking that Prey does, because Prey is very much like solving puzzles and um, I guess finding in combat in unique ways. Uh, and it definitely kind of amps that up. So I think it's a nice sort of synthesis of the two and eliminating some of the other problems that were in their previous titles. Okay. Um, <laughs> when it comes, mm. though, to some of their previous titles, uh, one of the wor- uh, worst things about it, it depends on how you, wh- how you feel, their AI has somehow become worse than Dishonored. Um, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> know that was possible. It, it was <laughs> yeah, very uh, very anyone... silly AI from what I remember. Yeah, I was yeah, curious if anyone watched... actually. Oh, yeah, if anyone watched my stream... Oh, no, it's okay. I was just saying, if anyone watched my streams playing Dishonored 2, um, yeah. you'll know how, like, wacky and weird the fucking... Dis- the um, the uh, AI is. They just... They're either incredibly astute, like, they just know where to go, or they have no idea where to go. Uh, yeah. Deathloop, <laughs> they're neither of that. Um, they're kind of just... They kind of have two modes that they'll do. Either they will... There's just so many of them that they start overcrowding you, um, or they, they will just nicely, neatly line up in one, like one line for you to shoot them. Like they'll just run up to the, the, the room in one, one at a time, come in and you can just nicely shoot them with a shotgun in the face, okay. you know, which is so, fun for a while, but, oh, sorry. No, I was going to say like, so the, the people you are fighting on this island, are they other assassins? Are they bad guys? Like, why are they on the island? Well, there's okay. So there's two types of enemies you generally encounter. So first of all, there's the Eternalists. They're essentially the hired guns. So they're your average goons that you run into. Sometimes at different yeah. times of day, you'll run into them doing weird stuff. Like there's one, like you get little tiny side quests about different Eternalists doing weird things on the island that sometimes they shouldn't be. Like there's one where essentially they're... <laughs> They're collecting residuum to make trinkets. Trinkets are essentially things you can attach to your guns or attach to yourself to give you certain boosts and stuff. You can kind of consider them like like little power-ups, So, and you can yeah. get different rarities of them. Um, <laughs> but there's just like a couple of Eternalists at one time of the day in um, in Fristad Rock who are making trinkets when they shouldn't be. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's just different things happening. But uh, the other type of enemy you run into are the Visionaries. So... Like I said, there's eight of them, and I think that's another really cool, like, great thing about the game is that all the visionaries are really distinct in personality and really distinct in aesthetics as well. Um, so you have, for instance, Fia, who is the resident art director, and she's really like insane and wacky, and her compound is like completely covered in art. 
Um, mm. It's like this really in- big industrial complex, but it's covered in paint and art, and it's really strange. But they um, are also in the loop. Are they aware of the loop as well? Or no? um, it depends on who they are. <laughs> um, most of okay. the time, they're not aware. They are not aware that they are in, well, that they've been in the loop. I think they're, according to the law, they've been in the loop for about 17 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, but they but, wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't know. The only people that know are Colt and Juliana. Juliana is the only one that mem- remembers it fully. Colt apparently sometimes forgets. Um, yeah. And apparently it's because it's just like too much on their system. But there's one of the characters, Wenji, who is like the main head scientist. She um, she has like multiple clones of herself, like multiple versions of herself that come help her out with her science experiments. Um, and each day she basically comes to the realization that she's been in the loop for longer than she thinks, but she makes the same realization every day. So she's continually stuck in that loop of realizing that she's stuck in the whole thing. But but yeah, they're all really unique. Some of them have really interesting characteristics. Charlie, for instance, was a computer scientist and he cuts out a portion of his brain to make his computer run faster. Um, so as a consequence, he's quite erratic and he makes like D and D style games and stuff all over the, all over the island. Yeah, yeah it, it's like um, it it's a lot like I think the like the 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 bad like the bosses in I think Dead uh Dead Rising had had kind of those personalities where every like lair or every boss had their own kind of unique quirks mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Is it um is it like a Zelda type thing where you got to collect them all and then you fight the baddie at the end? Is that that type uh- of game? To a degree, like it's it's more so. I would I think I saw I think it was a review review by Polygon who described it probably the best. It's kind of like an escape room that you have to figure out because um, okay. essentially it's very much a slow burn sort of find your own way type of story, which I admit is not for everyone. And I say this in my review. My fiance, in fact got to the end of the tutorial and saw how much there was to do and just put down the game because he didn't know where to start. Um, Whereas for me, I was kind of like, oh, okay, I can go find whatever visionary I want. Because essentially you have two types of leads. You have a visionary lead and an arsenal lead. Arsenal leads will lead you in the direction of, so guns and slabs. Yeah, well, so guns and slabs are the two main things that you look for. Slabs are kind of like, they're literally very close to the dishonored, um, so uh, void powers. In fact, yeah. they look like there's one called Shift that looks identical to the Blink one. You can tell it's on the same engine because it looks the same, but it's in purple. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, good. Yeah, it looks... It's innovation. Got, yeah, it's identical. Ray, ray tracing. Yeah, that and also Nexus is really similar to another one I think that was in Don- Dishonored 2 where you can connect people together and if you shoot yeah, one like of them, they all fall. Yeah, yeah, so it's called Nexus, but it's a, it also functions kind of the same. It's a bit different in that it's more of an AOE effect, so you chuck it in an area and it just automatically connects people. Um, but it functions the same. Uh, so slabs are essentially your primary like supernatural power. Um, and then you can get there's three different types of guns, like a legendary guns. There's a sniper, a uh, dual a, a dual wheel like dual pistol that turns into an SMG that is way overpowered. It's very good. I love that gun. Uh, and there is a shotgun that you have to as well find. So you can get them all in various different ways, but once you infuse them, you have them forever. Um, so it's kind of okay there. Uh, but the visionary leads are where you sort of progress the story. So that's where you try and figure out how to kill these people at certain times of day. Uh, and most of it is like trying to get those visionaries to all clump into one room because most of the time, if you, once you start out the game, you realize how spread out they are most of the time. So you essentially have to figure out a way to get them all to clump together so you can kill them all in one go. Um, Uh, so in one loop. Yeah. In one loop. You have to. 
yeah, you got to kill them all in one loop. Um, so it's not like you can, yeah, because remember, like, once you kill one person, it just resets to the next day. So, um, yeah, the other part of the oh, game, though, okay. which is the other part of the game, which is something that you as a player can also invest in is the multiplayer, which is so Juliana. So if you turn on online, funnily enough, I found out as well, you don't need PlayStation. <laughs> you don't need PlayStation Plus to access this, which was very weird to me. Oh. But essentially, um, Juliana, she will invade your games and try and ruin your run. Uh, if you have like online... A Dark Souls type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like an integrated part of the game. So it's expected. Um, so cool. essentially what will happen is that she will invade your game. Uh, essentially, you travel through the game through these like tunnels. Uh, they let you leave the levels and change to a new level. She will block you from your tunnels and you have to go find her. Usually she's also a player. So she's some kind of player who will try and... Um, knock you out i think it's really underutilized and really unimaginative though <laughs> um i think they could yeah. have done so much more with it um yeah in your number review, one oh sorry in your review oh, yeah, no, you, you, you didn't seem to like it too much overall. <laughs> it's but, like, um i was kind of wondering how often it shows up does it show up like once per run or is it like constant it will honestly depend and i think oh. it's probably due to the fact that owning a ps5 is so hard to get in australia right now Right. So, like, it's really patchy. I remember there was one time I was playing at, like, 2 a.m., and for a whole run, I just got Juliana after Juliana after Juliana. And okay. then the next day, I played during the day, and I got no Julianas. So I think it's... Okay. I think it's entirely dependent. Must be region. Must yeah, be region like, based. I think it's just dependent on, like, who's online, how many people are queuing up, and, yeah, so it's kind of a bit of a... It's either a wasteland or there's, there's too much of it. And, yeah. okay. you know... And, like, after a while, it gets very tedious, I think. Um, you just want to finish. You just want to get to the end. You just you just want to get to the end of the game. You just want to do what you're supposed to do. And you I can think turn it off, right? Yeah, you can turn it off. You okay. can turn it off to just, like, offline mode. And then sh- and sometimes there will be an AI version of Juliana show up. Um, <laughs> uh, honestly, she most players who play Juliana, I've only encountered two really good Julianas who I actually had trouble with. Um most of them, though, have no idea how to do it, and you can easily dispatch them. Um, and okay. I think it just comes down to the fact that Julianas just don't have much else to do except kill you. So it's very easy to take care of them because they almost immediately run toward you to try and kill you. Um, and I, I was saying to my fiancé, I was like, I feel like they could have done something really interesting with this, right? So it could have been that, say, if you, you're going into a loop to kill a particular visionary, she could have gone and warned a visionary about it and defenses up. Yeah. She could, oh, like, cool. I feel yeah. like, yeah, like, I feel like there okay. could have been more stuff to do for Juliana other than just kill you. Um, yeah, but clearly, maybe it's a limit. Like, I, I'm of the belief that um, that's, like, did this come out on previous gen as well? No, it's a PS5 okay. exclusive, so... Oh, okay. That's interesting because, I mean, you'd hope that all the extra like f- horsepower, like, is, is would have been used even better. Like, usually when when there's a limitation in AI or something, when there's a console like swap over, like usually it's because you have to kind of develop the game for the old console, and then you also need to make it look shiny for the new console. So yeah, all your like yeah. extra resources go to make it shiny, but all the un- things underneath get forgotten. But this is interesting that. <laughs> Yeah, because I think it's a fun concept, right? Like, it's the Dark Souls thing just amped up to a whole new level. And it also yeah. makes sense. It makes sense in-game because Juliana 
like that's another thing I also mentioned in my review. The chemistry between Colt and Juliana, like the voice acting is phenomenal in this game. It's great. Um, like that's I really cool. have to give props to the actors and to the direction because it, they're, they're always just so fun. Like, cause Juliana has like this sort of insane sarcastic personality that I just love. Um, and she's just so like chill about a lot of things. Um, yeah. And Colt has a really similar sort of psychotic energy to him. You find out pretty early on that he apparently was taken out of an asylum. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, is he meant it's... to be a movie star or something? Pardon? Like I-, I thought he was like I thought some of the like trailers depicted him as like I don't know if it's like a delusion, but that he was like some sort of movie star or something. I have no idea. I am nearing the end of the game, so I've okay. pretty much finished all visionary leads except. <laughs> One one of the visionaries, just for some reason, the quest is kind of buggy and isn't letting me finish it properly, so I'm kind of struggling with it, but I'm almost mm. done with it, but I may found, find out more stuff. But it's very much a slow burn story, and you mostly learn about a lot of the things to do with Juliana and Colt, because at the start of every, like, at the start of every mission segment, so every time you go into a new area, Juliana and Colt will, like, talk over the radio, um... Okay. It's also very jarring because uh, Juliana Juliana's voice comes out of the controller instead of the TV. So it's like, uh, I remember playing that. I was like, oh, is this next gen? <laughs> it's just like it coming out of the controller. Um, Fair enough. But I yeah. guess it's like emulating like a walkie-talkie or something maybe. Yeah, yeah, because they, they talk over a radio. So it's kind of, it has that same sort of crackly tone coming out of the, um, coming out of the <laughs> controller. Um, yeah. Didn't get to see too many haptic controls really being used in a unique yeah. way. The, That's disappointing. The, the gun jamming thing is cool, but you pick up so many good guns really quickly that gun jamming just doesn't become a thing anymore. Um, okay, it's right. it's a little. It happens a little bit in the early game, but eventually you get guns that are so good they never jam and nothing happens. Well, speaking, so. speaking of the haptics, is, is there like because obviously melee has always been a big part of like the first person, like the Dishonored games and Prey and stuff. Like, do you feel like, is it a more visceral feeling? <laughs> Honestly, I think Melee is... psychotic, but yes. Uh, no, I think I think Melee is way too overpowered in, in Deathloop. You just have... Honestly, you can have a... Mach- you have your machete, which is your main, like, sort of stealth and Melee option. And it's actually the best way to get out of some really, like, tough scenarios. It's better to have the machete out than a shotgun because you yeah. can kind of just... It's kind of like having invincibility frames. You can just chop down people one, in a, one at a time in a room and you'll just get out like of it very easily. Like, so, like, is that, like, that classic stealth problem of, like, oh, if you get alerted, just kill everyone and then it'll just reset? Yeah, kind of, yeah. But, cool. I mean, it's an ultra-fun game. Like, the hmm. the state of, like, I think other than the fact that the AI is very glitchy at times and they hit very yeah. hard if they get you into a corner, um, yeah. I think it's just, it's a lot of fun to play the game. Um, like, all the guns feel really, really smooth, um, especially hmm. once you start getting those really good guns that you pick up. Um, yeah. All the slabs are really fun as well, even though you pretty much will always have shift. So shift is again like the blink, um, yeah. so where you get to move from place to place. But like all of them are actually basically. yeah, and all of them yeah. are quite fun. Um, so you okay. can use them in different scenarios as well. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, the more unique ones. Havoc is a really fun one. It's essentially it gives you a buff where you take about thirty percent less damage and do about seventy percent more damage. So you can essentially, if you get stuck in a corner, you just turn on Havoc, pick up a shotgun like and just tank start... mode. <laughs> yeah, basically. You just start blasting oh. through people. Um, Kinesis oh, is kind of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, Kinesis is kind of fun. It's where you pick up people and just throw them, <laughs> which is... <laughs> Force powers. 
of course. Yeah, but it's it's specifically on people. You can't pick up objects. You pick up people and just chuck them, ah, okay. uh, which is really fun. Um, I'm trying to think of the stuff I don't use the most. There's also ether, which you turn invisible. Uh, very handy for trying to just like speed run through levels because you don't want yeah. people to see you. Um, yeah, but they're just really fun. And also, as well, once you get a slab, you can then kill the visionary again and get slab upgrades. So, um, <laughs> so you're... Yeah, no, you just you kind of just farm them, honestly. <laughs> you farm oh them for God. stuff. Um, like, for like instance, creeps in Dota. Yeah, yeah. So, for instance, like with Havoc, you can get an upgrade where essentially when the Havoc runs out, it does like a blast of energy. So, where it knocks mm. everyone back. Um, there's a really cool. fun one with Shift where you can... Um, you can shift towards someone on a ledge and just ultra kick them off. <laughs> like, just um, ultra kick them off a ledge. Um, <laughs> it kind of just, like, tethers you to them so you can kick them at the end of your shift. Um, style. Yeah, so, like, it's really okay. fun. It's really inventive, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, so, I just wish there was more yeah. with the multiplayer, is my thing, I think. Ah, uh, gotcha. And it, it's important to note that both uh, Cole and Juliana are protagonists who are african-american i believe yeah yeah so they're both um so uh i won't say any spoilers but they do have some connection other than just being on the same island um but yeah so they're both um they're both african-american from what i understand which is kind of revolutionary as well considering the game is set in the 60s and the 50s um so yeah so hence like the the clothing and everything being of that era yeah, yeah, and they cool. very much fit that with the aesthetic as well. The whole aesthetic is very 60s-esque. So is the music. Uh, one yeah. of the visionaries purposefully doesn't have a slab because he doesn't like them. Um, oh, but that he's, sounds... Yeah, yep. he's the one, when you invade his home, um, he's, like, talking over the radio about, like, Jimi Hendrix and he's playing, like, old 60s-style rock and, like, um, psychedelic pop. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's just a really nice, um, it's a really nice aesthetic, I think. Like all the enemies wear nice, like wear really good clothing. I think every visionary as well has really good costume design to fit their character. Um, yeah. So Charlie, the one who I was saying before, cut out a piece of his brain um, to like put it in his computer. Um, he wears a beanie perpetually to like hide the spot in his head. Fia wears like these giant hoops and like is always in colorful clothing because she's the art director. Um, so what was it as well? Yeah. Um, Harriet. Oh, yeah, so Harriet, who's like this religious cell. Oops, sorry. Oh, no, that's like quite a few. Maybe we'll leave some for the players to uh, discover for yeah, themselves. Yeah. But, um, but like overall, like uh, uh, you gave it a four out of five. Mm. So uh, just like as a quick summary, uh, how would you describe the game? Um, how would I describe the game? Uh, it's a lot of fun especially in terms of unraveling the story and um, picking apart how exactly to get this campaign done. And the combat Mm. is incredibly fun as well. Uh, I wouldn't go into it, though, expecting the multiplayer to be fantastic and for that to be your primary piece of fun. Um, I would very much go into this as a campaign game rather than a multiplayer. Think of it more so as the multiplayer is like a nice add-on that you can play every now and then, but it's certainly not the whole dish, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's kind yeah, of like an awesome. appetizer or yeah. an, like a dessert. Yeah, also, yeah. how that could be a premise for another game. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, John. <laughs> um, I wanted to, like, I think you only touched on it a little bit in your review, but, like, what, how do you feel about the story overall? I think it's it's quite good. I think because it suits the, I think the tone of the story and what the story is suits 
the game that they're going for. Like, it's really over the top. All the characters are so full of personality as well that I wouldn't expect it to be sort of boring, realistic, um, or anything like that. Um, it doesn't really, like, commenting on the fact that both protagonists are African-American, it doesn't really comment on any particular inequalities in the world at that time. I think because it literally is this very insular part of How the convenient. world. Yeah, but it's like it's this very insular part of the world that is literally in a loop. <laughs> so yeah. I don't necessarily think and as well, Juliana is described as like a genius. Like she's um yeah. so uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a I guess not a racism free zone, but I just kind of think they recognized it wasn't their place to talk about it here, um, or they just didn't have room for it, and so they don't really touch on it. Which, again, there could have been room, I suppose, but I think because it's a very... Uh, uh, I, think, I think it's just convenient that they're like, okay, we'll, we'll get the positive press of having representation, but we won't actually address anything that happened at that time. Well, it's what it sounds like. Because, are there agree, any yeah. references to racism there or like what was happening in America um, of the time? Not particularly. I think it's there is a little bit of it in terms of some of the white visionaries are very much with cult, like I made you what I what you are and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's already like quite strong in the fact that both of these characters are more than just their representation, if you know what I mean. Like they are characters cool. unto themselves who have a lot of personality and um, who are not, I guess, hamstrung by the fact that they're just African American. They're, they get to be people and they get to be interesting characters, which I think is infinitely more valuable than trying to sort of like shoehorn in a half-assed political commentary, if you know what I mean. Because mm. um, cool. we talk about awesome. this a lot in my degree in terms of like representation <laughs> in like writing yeah. and like how you should do it. And honestly, I think as well, if you recognize your target audience and you recognize what you want to do with a story, it's much better to represent people like to have that as a part of them, but to also make them full characters instead of making them some kind of caricature um, or just like, mm. you know, shoehorning in things you don't mean. Um, Fair so. uh, well, thanks for that, Kate. It was great to hear about Deathloop. I don't know, maybe might have to check that out uh, one of these days. When <laughs> Get it if you have a PS5. If you don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to all the three people out there who might have one, yes, you know, you've got a recommendation. <laughs> got a recommendation to start with. <laughs> And, and thoughts on some recent releases. Uh, John, you and I had the chance to play a little bit of the Battlefield 2042 open beta. Uh, what were your thoughts about it? If you could yeah, get in. Uh, <laughs> I got it for a second. I had sure. to like completely... Because I haven't actually tried anything multiplayer on my PS5 at all yet. So I had to, like, it was like that realization. I was like, oh yeah, I haven't done this yet. So I had to like reconfigure my Wi-Fi, which wasn't the best way to do it anyway. Anyway, uh, like I had, I had a first, I had trouble the first time I tried it, and then I got in the second time and had a lot of trouble because it's very buggy, and my connection is just not great in general, because um, we live in Perth and my house isn't great at it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I honestly I barely touched it as beta. I have opinions on the class system, which we can get into, but otherwise, mm. personal like personal experience with the beta is very limited. So I'm gonna leave that to you, you or beer. <laughs> nah, fair enough. Well. Like, uh, basically, uh, 
for uh, people who may not be aware, Battlefield 2042 is the, the new mainline Battlefield game from DICE. It is a, I guess, 128-player expansion of the Battlefield formula with larger maps, more vehicles. Uh, it's And a new kind of uh, like specialist system that is, in principle, on, on paper, designed to be similar to like what you find in operators in... Uh, like Rainbow Six or, you know, Heroes or Legends in like League of Legends or or Dota or even like in uh, Overwatch. But in practice, it turns out that like, you know, because there's so much like on-the-fly customization, like you can upgrade scopes, change your um, like different fire, like uh, attachments and stuff on your guns in real time as you're playing. You don't have to go to menus or anything like that and respawn. So the fact that there's so much flexibility there means that uh, those classes aren't really as like varied as you might expect. I'll let you touch on that, John. But uh, in general, this open beta was uh, basically a two-month-old build of uh, the game taking place on the orbital map, which has got a, a missile launch in the middle of the map that, you can, that can be triggered. And it's very much a... very much an unpolished game. Like... I know that DICE is expecting to release this game uh, middle of next month, but Seriously? I still think... Yeah, I still think that this game probably needs another, like, four to five months. Like, What did yeah. you guys think uh, of the graphics? Because I was watching my fiancé play it. He barely managed to get onto it. I think I, I was working and I saw him continuously on Steam trying to get um, on it over and over and over again. And I looked at, like, the rendering yeah. and it just, like, the graphics looked broken especially and he has a very high-end like custom-built yeah. pc and for some reason it couldn't handle it like it just couldn't render anything properly yeah and it wasn't it wasn't um like i know from my experience uh john i don't know if on the ps5 you encountered it but there were a lot of graphical glitches where just like th- things like textures wouldn't load or something or just things would just appear white <laughs> and okay. like you'd clip through objects and stuff um, my fiance didn't have a gun for the whole time he was playing it's just an invisible gun <laughs> that's, that, <laughs> so that's Wow, it's he had knowledge. That was his weapon. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like it's it's it, it just it 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 is a battlefield game. You're capturing maps. You're flying across. You know, in helicopters and stuff. You're driving around in jeeps and tanks. You you you're very much in the squad, um, but it's kind of like it's not very. It just seems like you're just thrown into it, and it's like there's not much structure to the way the games play out. I think previous Battlefields did a good job of saying, okay, well, um, this this flag is taken, so we move on to the next one. It's very clear. Now that the maps... Before, there used to be like four or five flags for the larger maps. Now there's basically four or five zones, and each zone has got two flags that you have to capture to hold that territory. And the team with the most territories will eventually um, win right but the the thing about it is like and, and john you might agree is that you just kind of get thrown into it there's just a lot of chaos but it, it's there's the map is huge but there's it's very difficult to know where where's the next place to go to like the icons clip through everything the spotting system doesn't work so if you if you ping something you say hey go to like say for example i'm looking at a d flag but there's a tree in front of me. It'll tag the tree saying, hey, go to the tr- go to this location instead of the flag that I'm trying to highlight. 
or if I'm if there's a helicopter in the sky in the older Battlefield games, if you just kind of like click near the helicopter, it would say, "Oh, there's a helicopter above you." But now, what it would do is, unless you're exactly on the helicopter, it highlights a a cloud and says, "Hey, head to this location." <laughs> it's just things like that that really uh, hold back the experience, especially when you come from highly polished games like uh, Apex Legends or even something newer like uh, like Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, like yeah what what did you find john yeah um as someone who hasn't played a battlefield game in a while now not not for a long yeah. time at least last one and i uh, pretty much the only one i played a significant amount of was bad company 2 spent a lot of time Which on that is one. still a fan favorite so it's good yeah. one to leave on but it's like let's say it's like <laughs> been like a decade or something since i've played one a yeah. lot so it's like coming like my first thought was like oh well it's like it's actually like do i just not know how to play battlefield anymore like that was my first thought and then as spending like 10 more minutes on it, I was like, okay, this is just really, really messy, like you said. Mm. <laughs> it's just really hard to follow, really hard to... Because, um, yeah, it's like I didn't... Because I didn't spend enough time on it to pick up on all these little things that you've identified, that you've mentioned, which I definitely... Yeah, it's like you say it, and it's like, oh, yeah, that is how it was. So I didn't figure out the ping system or anything. Yeah. But it's just like, it's very... Um, yeah, it's very directionless, both class-wise and, like, just on a, how, how the map is laid out. And it's like, you know, it yeah. gives... As a beta, it's like it's very much a beta in that it gives you very little to like gives the player nothing but the game mode and the weapons. Yeah. Like it doesn't like have yeah. any tutorial elements. It just tells you. I think like there was only two controls it gives you when you're loading into it, which is like how to summon a vehicle, which didn't work when I did it, so I don't know how it works. And then um, <laughs> then I want to do something oh, else. I don't always know. Always good to hear. <laughs> how, but, how do you uh, think? Yeah. How do you think? Like, because obviously Battlefield, I suppose, has had the element of like a. I suppose like a um I'm trying to think of the word, a battle royale for a very long time like how oh, do you yeah. think because I think at least from what I'm seeing what I'm hearing from you guys it seems like Battlefield just isn't able to now break into the market that they kind of created with their giant maps and the ability to sort of like yeah okay. like especially because now you have really big sort of like um battle royale style games like Apex mm-hmm. and Fortnite and um they're doing very very well so <laughs> Well, it's like how do you my, think they can fix that? Or yeah, it's like my first thought is like it feels like Dice decided to change something that they didn't need to for mm. like because like twenty forty two is like trying to like it's like trying to jump back to the fourth one, which is the last like I think like generally very you know universally well received one after all the network yeah. issues were cleaned up. And then that and that took a while. Like people forget how bad Battlefield 4's launch was. Yeah, and then like one and five were the two next after, and those kind of I don't know. Every time I read like read comments about it or hear about it, people seem pretty divided on it. Um, on yeah. those two in general. So I kind of like one set- was a one. One was a big change because there were a lot of things changed, like the progression system and everything just completely changed. And then number five was just like I think people just gave up by then. It might as well yeah. have been a skin of number one, no. of Battlefield One. Sorry, not the first Battlefield. Yeah, and like so, yeah. So, sorry, John. Yep. Yeah, so to me, it's like twenty forty two feels like they're trying to, the idea. At least when they revealed it, you definitely got the sense they were kind of okay. We're doing battle like proper Battlefield again. We're going back to the stuff yeah. that works that you know that we know you like, et cetera, et cetera. But they're kind of messing with things that they don't really need to for the sake of being like a new battlefield. So it's like really big maps. Class system has been broken down. And I don't know, probably numerous other things that mm. I, I'm not really aware of. 
So it just feels yeah. like, you know, like it probably is a question of trying to compete with those battle royales, like in terms of like just mm. kind of the amount of action you can get into and the sort of the experience those provide for free generally. But it's, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It just feels like they're messing with like a obviously working formula that nothing else really provides and now no one really provides it. So I don't know. Yeah, well, th- and that's the thing. Like even Battlefield isn't doing the Battlefield thing. And then yeah. that's the, the tragedy there. So so like the class system, for example, traditionally with Battlefield, you'd have four or five different classes. So, you know, there'd be the medic, at the the gunner who kind of <clears throat> have, you know, resupply everyone, usually had the heavy, like the machine gun. Then you had the engineer who'd have like a smaller, like carbine or like a, like a SMG or something, but would repair um, vehicles or would be, and then you'd have like uh you, you might have like the sniper or recon role where they'd they'd spawn in with a sniper rifle. They'd have like reconnaissance focused gadgets and things like that. Um, but in this, like you still have specialists and they've got names and I'm sure they have personalities and stuff. But anyone can equip any uh, like uh, gun with any sort of customization. And you can kind of have choose from any of the gadgets and things like that. It's just that the specialist might have some intrinsic thing like a heartbeat sensor or honestly I don't know what else they have like on a, like I don't know John I, I didn't find much difference between them I just chose the one that looked the one that I wanted to play with and then just changed all the guns and everything because half the times a loadouts didn't load anyway <laughs> yeah it's like it's not like a very intuitive class system you just kind of yeah it's just a it seems useless bunch of Lego bricks to put together into something you want I was yeah, like a bunch of Lego clear. bricks yeah <laughs> But it's like the problem with it is like the original class system was so kind of clever and work like it worked so well is because it's like it was a way of herding all the players into like clear roles that they won't necessarily want to do or mm. would be would think to do. You know, it's like I'm the one who fixes vehicles. I'm the one that heals people. I'm the one that gives more ammo. Yeah. It's like that was like and that's what the specialists still do. I'm pretty sure it's like you need to pick one of those roles. But it's like yeah, they might have some stuff. When they all have limitate, like when they have such like clear limitations to them, people end up. I don't know. The roles become, like I'm sure they are still important to how the game plays. But it's just like you have so little less incentive, and you like to actually like pick and stick with one. You don't really have like Mm. it. Also, doesn't make it clear like what roles you should go to go for. Like you know which pieces you should pick. What do I need? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of I don't know. It's just very it's very directionless on a lot of levels. Yeah. Like like if you go look at the older battlefields, like even five and stuff, you'll see here's your squad. Here's four to five people on the on your screen. They they're lit up in green, so you know they're your squad mates. And they'll have an icon saying, Okay, he's got a wrench icon or she's got a wrench icon, you know they're an engineer. Okay, so I know I've got a crosshairs icon, so there's a sniper. Okay, I'll play a medic because that's what we're missing. But in this, like you can equip any gadget for anything, so you never actually know who's a medic, who can res. So you don't know. You, you can spam ping on someone, but you have no idea if they can heal you or if they can give you ammo because everyone looks the same. Even your enemies, like un- there's like a tiny blue, um, there's like a tiny blue icon, like a little square that is on your like teammate's face and sometimes that doesn't even show so you have no idea if you're shooting at an enemy or your mates like and the con- the frustrating thing is that for some reason dice decided that okay there are two factions like in this like 
iteration. There's the Russians and there's the Nopats, which are basically like ex, like they're basically like um, wandering samurai. They don't have a, you know, they're Ronin. They don't have a leader anymore, but they used to be the American army, right? So you have two factions, but the exact same character skins. So everyone looks the same. There's no clear way to know who's an enemy, who's a friend. There's nothing to tell you that they, what role they fulfill. So you don't know, like, okay, I'm going to go in this, into this battle, but I've no idea if I'm going to have ammo or if I'm going to have um, any healing or any support. Am I going to have any anti-air? Any Like, there's no... Yes, you've created specialists, but you've taken away roles. Yeah. Like what then it, it, it defeats the whole purpose of having characters who have specific needs when anyone can play anything. So it's it's kind of like you know how creativity or you know how humans thrive with limitations? This is a situation where taking the limitations away actually kind of makes like it kind of plays to that. There's just when you have so much choice you end up just choosing the meta weapons. Like, you're just going to choose the best guns, the best gadgets. You forget any other roles or anything like that. Like, why not just play as a sniper with <laughs> ammo, unlimited ammo and unlimited <laughs> heals? Like, why not? Like, there's nothing to really stop you there. So, it's that's, that's the frustrating thing. And that's why I'm afraid that if the game is only going to come out in a month, all DICE is focused on right now is probably just bug fixes. Which is great, like we love that, but there's actual core gameplay things in this game that are not going to be good, that are, are going to create a poor experience. And I'm sure that's probably why, John, like, you probably don't feel strongly about pre-ordering this game from this beta, right? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> pretty much. It's like, I've tried it and it's like, oh, okay, it's like, I don't have to worry about getting this game either this year. <laughs> it's like another so game. So it's, it's not going to be free to play? No, it's no, like it's a, it's a traditional thing. game. Like, oh, uh, okay. Like maps are free. Like pretty much anything gameplay and maps are free, but it's like cosmetic items are um, purchasable. Yet there's like maybe a, the, maybe that's the but, reason why they, they yeah, probably don't, like, they probably don't care much about to, the game state. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, we got our ass handed to us. Let's make everyone on the equal playing field. But then it kind of takes away the the stakes in terms of oh, you know what? I want to try learning this gun, or I want to try learning this character. And the other thing that's annoying is that there's no progression. Like, everything's just unlocked from the beginning, it seems like. So, it's like, I loved, in Battlefield 4, if you played a lot more of it, you would unlock more scopes and more things for the guns, more attachments. So, it rewarded you for you sticking to weapons and unlock getting higher ranks in them, right? Yes, maybe for, like, newbie players, it won't be as welcome because, you know, you're going to get killed by... You don't even have a scope to play with. But... You know, you could just give everyone a starter scope, a starter attachment, and then if you want the more, like if you're a sniper, you want the higher zoom scopes, well, you've got to earn it by getting good with the sniper you have now with the scope you come with. Whereas now it's just like, oh yeah, right-click, change to six times to four times, or you you can legit run into it. Like, it seems like DICE wants you to run into a gunfight and in the middle of the gunfight, reconfigure your weapon rather than choose your loadout when you spawn and think about it that way. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't... Yeah. Uh, like, you might be right about the last part, but it's probably just because it's a beta, right? You might have a lot of that unlockable stuff as it goes on. I'd like to say confirmed. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, well, but... Yeah. It's, I guess it doesn't, but, like, help the impression yeah. of the beta. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, there's no, like, progress. Like, you know, it's it's not like... It's not like a racing game where I, I don't want to do stupid driving tests on, like... 
different cars. I want to jump into a car and play that car and drive around. In this, like, this is like a progression-based game where you want to get rewarded for your time, but I, I think the the problem that Dice is going is trying to solve is like, how do we cater to the the people who are gonna like the mainstream? Who are the people who are gonna play this game? within the first like two months of launch and then jump immediately off to something else go back to warzone or whatever whereas my problem is like what about the people who are going to stick with the game like w this just does so many things wrong that it's not fun that's the worst sin any game can do if your game is not fun i don't care what else it can do you can have the best story the best whatever but it, it's just not fun I, I don't know did you find it fun john oh uh I barely played it, but not really. <laughs> yeah. uh, like I was just kind of confused and lost, but I kind of counted that down to like, oh, I don't know, I don't know this series very well anymore. Like, but yeah, I, yeah, just, just didn't make yeah. it a good impression in general. But I'll, yeah. I'll trust your opinion better than mine. <laughs> Appreciate that. But yeah, graphically, it didn't seem like it was a, a big step forward. Like I, I'm sure, like I didn't get any tornadoes or anything like that in my game that maybe would have been awesome. There was no options for like ray tracing or anything like that. So. It it yeah, like it looks decent, but like Battlefield One and Battlefield Five, they had a very distinct art design in terms of like, you know, this is this is a West Africa, you know, like map. Or this is the sunset in Egypt or this is the sunset in this European town. And you can kind of see like the light changing and everything like that. In this it was just like, okay, it's 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 grey and then it's gonna become blue and it might be a little bit green for a bit, but then it's gonna go back to blue. And it was just a you know, it, it just kind of like what you think of a stereotypical military like battlefield game. It just played into that. Yeah, it's not much like oh. geographical identity, <laughs> I think. Yeah, it's just like there's a person behind this hill, but they might be my teammate, but I don't know because their icon is hidden by the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could shoot the tree, but then you run out of you you run out of ammo pretty quickly, and then oh, but where do I ref? Oh, I might as well kill myself, start a new like. <laughs> and spawn back in that's the only way I'm going to get ammo another disappointing thing is that the audio design in this is really bad like I had it on the 3D mode which is trying to simulate you know positioning and everything but unlike a game like Apex Legends that does a really good job or like the benchmark which is like Overwatch that has Dolby Atmos in the game like it, it just it, it, you couldn't really tell where anything was it, it, it didn't seem alive like yes it was raining and windy and stuff but you wouldn't hear any of that Right. You just hear gunfire, and then you hear like a grenade go off somewhere. It it just seems like a there's too many things happening. But Dice would have done a better job of just making a handful of changes and just getting them like hundred percent solid, yeah. rather than just trying so many things and getting them like part of the way through. And that's why I'm worried about. Um, like I pre-ordered it, and I got like the extra whatever edition because I wanted to access it early but <laughs> now that I think about it I'm like well if it's got to have a week of server issues then that seven day early access is not really worth it is it yeah uh, but anyway um, yeah like I'm cautiously optimistic like Battlefield at its core can be really fun and really good but the beta didn't leave the best impression in, in my mind and uh, I guess we'll, we'll see there's only unless there's another delay it's only like five weeks away so we'll find out soon. It's a lot of yeah. issues to fix in five weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the best way I can describe it is like, like if we talk about Lego, right? Imagine someone said, okay, here's a new Lego set that we're coming out with. You, All the pieces 
are the same and they're all grey but you can make whatever you want with it it's like yeah but it's like the fun of it's gone you know like that's the way I would describe it you know what I mean yeah oh, sorry that's just it's frustrating <laughs> as someone who's such a like a like a, who's been around playing a few of those games it's frustrating that it, it yeah. so many things are done wrong it's a bummer that it like from the outset it felt like like just what I was saying earlier it felt like it's like oh, okay they're gonna do Battlefield again and they're gonna you know they're taking all these mistakes they keep making the last ones and they're gonna get it right immediately because they make like they're kind of saying yeah. all the right stuff and then there was like you know the beta comes around it's like oh, okay they did a lot wrong again <laughs> um, I don't trust this again mm. so I don't yeah. know they, hopefully they make some meaningful tweaks sooner rather than later because I yeah. doubt it's being delayed um, out of November I mean I guess it could be but I, I can't imagine it happening um, mm. but yeah just disappointment <laughs> Yeah. Pure and utter disappointment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't get too. I don't get too attached to these games. So I think it's like Call of Duty and Battlefield and all of that. I just. I don't know. Maybe because I find them aesthetically bland. Kind yeah. of. <laughs> also because oh, I suck. Yeah. Also because I suck at them. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at them either. <laughs> I think it's yeah. just like I think Battlefield's one of the only shooters I've gotten like, I've spent like a good amount of time with because I always bounce yeah. off every other major shooter really quickly i don't because i don't play multiplayer stuff in general at like at this yeah. point but um yeah it's like battlefield's one of the only ones i have like fond memories of playing it like for a while ago mm. and like and there's reasons because i like the design of it you know like it puts you in roles and like it's very objective heavy and that's kind of yeah. why i like it and it's just like it's like you know, yeah and you get a re- like there's a reward okay if i'm not good at killing stuff if i play the objective and help out i still get points and i still yeah. contribute uh, mm. But there's no leaderboard. There was no leaderboard in the beta. There was no chat or anything. So there was like, it was basically just a whole bunch of people running around, <laughs> just running around, and you just and then like a tree might be vibrating strangely. <laughs> I honestly, feel, I honestly yeah. feel like Battlefield had the most identity when they did Battlefield One because I was like, no, no game company <laughs> is willing to touch World War One in One, terms yeah. of like in terms of like combat. But I thought that was actually a really fun game. <laughs> because it was like also like the historical accuracy and you got to see like all these cool historical maps and i was just like no game company would be willing to touch that but they actually gave it the time to be historically accurate and to make it fun as well like to give the player limitations in terms of the time period and actually have fun with it so i think that was probably the time when it had the most identity like that's the most i guess at least the most iconic battlefield for me probably because i'm a history nerd as well so that helps (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's I the mean, thing. Like, um, the, like, yes, it's this is like set what twenty years in the future, but it could have still had its own identity versus something like COD, because like the chaos of Battlefield, the way the weapons and everything, or like the vehicles, like that mix. There's a formula there that Battlefield has gotten really right, but it seems like everything surrounding it in this iteration is the problem. When going back to the drawing board and saying, okay, well, here's a selection of weapons. Here's a selection. Here's his objectives, capture the objectives, stop the other team from capturing the objectives. And we're going to make it clear where to go next, where your team are, what role you can play. Without the clarity there, you just kind of, it just devolves into, I'm just going to try and shoot everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everyone. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and, and, and it was more than once that like, we'd, I'd literally be running with like another person and both of us didn't know that we were on opposing teams. <laughs> we just like take a while and then we're like, um, and then we start shooting at each other and then, uh, yeah, but yeah, that's the thing. Um, listen, uh, hopefully the two months that have elapsed since the beta was like, this build was like developed internally has shown that there's been a lot of improvements, especially to the net code and things like that. Maybe the audio is going to come alive at launch. We'll, we'll, we'll find out soon enough, but, um, yeah, if, uh, people want to learn more about, uh, you know, battlefield. 2042 uh you can go on youtube there's a ton of people have got uh, a lot of like impressions about it as well as well as a lot of like footage you can watch uh plus if you want to learn more about uh what kate thought about death loop uh in more depth or in written form uh her review of the game is up on doublejump.co Alrighty, so that was uh, our impressions of Deathloop and Battlefield 2042's open beta. How about we move on to the news from this week? The first story is, uh, I guess, kind of flew under the radar, but could be a very significant uh, like milestone for the gaming industry as a whole. And that's uh, IDOS Montreal and its uh, sister studio, IDOS Sherbrooke, have announced that they've shifted to a four-day work week. Uh, to create a more, quote, healthy, creative, and sustain- sustainable work environment, um, uh, end quote. Uh, as far as we can tell, this is the first AAA studio to make this move, which is something that I think has been happening accre- increasingly across Europe, but generally outside of the gaming outside of the gaming sphere. So, uh, Idas Montreal, uh, probably most well-known for Shadow of the Tomb Raider, um, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think also like the Deus Ex games. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. The, the most recent Deus Ex games. And Idos Sherbrooke, which is kind of like a support studio to Montreal, uh, uh, have announced this move uh, in, a, in a blog post earlier, I guess middle of last week. And uh, it also featured uh, some interesting quotes from the head of the studio, which is uh, David and Fossey. Um, he kind of noted the fact that, yes, we are... Um, moving to a four-day work week as opposed to the standard five-day work week. Um, but it's it seems like the the management's trying to make it so that all the, you know, the 40-plus hours you usually have in five days isn't just suddenly pushed into just four days, which means that you'd kind of constantly be in a state of crunch, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's more so like kind of making things more efficient so more work can be done per hour and i think studies have shown that with with less work hours they've been able to increase productivity to a point that it kind of makes up for the loss in time and uh i'll, I'll read out a, a just a quick quote um that uh is is kind of interesting um is that it, yes it's all positive pro employee but then at the end it kind of makes it clear that, oh, okay, it's all about business in the end. So, uh, like, it, I, I shouldn't be negative. It's a good move. But I guess only time will tell how well this goes down. And the the quote is that, um, the studio aspires to an optimal attraction and, reten- and retention of its talents, effective recruitment, a reduction in the rate of absenteeism and the rate of sickness, better management of stress and anxiety related to professional performance while improving the quality of deliverable deliverables made by the 
Idossians of both studios. So, yes, uh, employee well-being is great, uh, and it wants, um, you know, to attract the best talent and make sure they stay in the company. But you know, like, do you have to then mention the words like deliverables and professional performance in the same sentence? It's kind of like. I suppose it makes like, sense. Oh, yeah. I think I think it makes sense, and like ultimately. I think it is a good move. I think more companies, even outside of gaming, should be doing four-day working weeks. I honestly think school should be four-day, like because yeah. like school should be a four-day should be a four-day affair as well. Um, but ultimately, it is to increase productivity and to increase the quality of products. My main concern, though, would be: so does this then mean, in order to make up for that lost time, obviously to try and enhance productivity per hour? But how does that translate into what is already existing crunch culture, right? So a lot of people have been sort of reporting working almost 70 hours a week. How does that translate into a a, um, so four-day working week? If you're working 70 hours during your working week, that's nearly like, what, 16, 17 hours a day? Like yeah. if you're if you're under crunch culture, so I would be more concerned about okay, but how many hours are they working per day, and what do you do when it comes to deadlines? Are you actually going to increase the length of your development cycles as well to yeah. compensate for the fact that your employees mm. aren't in for an extra day of the month, or is it still the same? Therefore, the pressure is still the same, if not more, because they have to complete the same type of tasks outside, um, so the same type of tasks in a shorter amount of time. And does yeah. that mean you are now requiring staff or staff are now going to be doing work outside of working hours, right? So, you know, yeah. without the without the part of overtime. So my concern would mainly be, okay, so how does that affect development cycles? So are you actually going to extend how long it takes to develop a game or are you going to keep it the same and therefore put your employees under more pressure than they were under previously? Mm, what do you think, John? Oh, <laughs> I, I kind of agree. I, I would imagine they're kind of announcing something like this because they've... I don't know. I would imagine that There's would a lawsuit be... coming. <laughs> Maybe, I guess. But I would imagine they're doing it just to, you know, to make... I mean, it's basically, yeah, like you said, it's basically an ad for more positions as well as... Um, mm. I think that, yeah, like you saying that, um, you know, with that final quote about, like, deliverables and such, um, I think it's, like, it's probably more for whatever stockholders of either... Yeah, Mon- either transparency, or I guess. NX. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, otherwise, yeah, I am curious because, like, there are definitely studios. Uh, I mean, I don't have enough to top of my head, so I could be wrong, but that are able to operate at like very a far more casual pace mm. and still able to accomplish a lot. Like, I think Insomniac's kind of known for a sort of like they probably deal with a lot more crunch than where we know of. But yeah. um, as far as like as far as the information known, they work pretty comfortably. And they get games out really fast compared to similar yeah. size studios. So and that's the thing. Like um, you, you, you get because like you can say a lot of things, but what if it's very easy for managers to start favoring people who put in extra hours or who do yeah. come in on the the fifth day? You know what I mean? Like that can all quickly become again a, a crunch culture or like a culture that values. That, that sees working yourself to the bone as like a good thing, mm. as like a sign of a good employee, which is how people fall into these traps. I think it's also like a, it's an issue of like, okay, so is it crunch or is it the fact that they're getting, they are, they have more creative energy to put into the game, right? Because I would yeah. imagine at the same time, Insomniac, probably because they have a really casual workforce and they, casual workforce, what am I talking about? 
casual attitude, they get games out faster because their employees are more refreshed, right? So they have more creativity. They have more energy to be able to put into their work, which is the rationale behind four-day work weeks is the idea that people have more... Um, are more productive when they are more rested and when they actually have the ability to separate themselves from work. So they are actually able to be more productive. But, I mean, yeah, it's like there is, I think there is a thin line between like turning into crunch culture and using your creative energy to be able to put out games really fast because then that can sometimes become the norm. And like not everyone is going to be a workaholic. Some days, some some people are just really going to enjoy their days off, right? And they're just, mm. you know, they're not going to want to work that ex- those extra hours. And I think, like, you're right there, like, that they might start favoring employees who come in on that favored fifth day because, oh, they're, <laughs> they're really committed to their job. And it's like, no, maybe they're just feeling a bit more energetic about it than some other employees. And, you know, it doesn't take yeah. into account the fact as well that some employees may be battling with mental illness while also um, dealing with... Um, so, you know, going to work, some people as well dealing with chronic yeah. illness and having to micromanage that on top of also going to work. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a dangerous it's line to walk, I think, but I don't know. Anything, I think yeah. it's, if you strike the balance well, I think it works, but currently in, we'll see. Yeah. yeah, currently in the it's industry, the I think time. it's hard. Yeah. And it's the first time in, in gaming that this is happening that we know of. So it, it'll be interesting to see like kind of, what what employees coming out of Idos Montreal and, and stuff actually say because that'll be the interesting um part you know check um, Twitter yeah I, <laughs> yeah I could also see it um being in response to like COVID um work mm. conditions because that hit a lot of studios really hard not being able to like yeah. be in the same area and swapping ideas and processes so I could yeah. see this being like in response like okay work from home really didn't work from us for us so we're gonna kind of overhaul how we do you know, in-office work yeah. for the sake of, you know, um, I guess maybe saving time or like, you know, not yeah. saving time. Like, um, And even working from home is hard because you, you don't have that physical separation from your work to home. Mm. You know, that's, that's also another thing that's, I think, become prevalent throughout, you know, the working from home revolution, I guess, because of COVID. And, <clears throat> and it's interesting that I wonder what, how this will affect you know, a lot of contract workers or, you know, QA testers and stuff who generally aren't employees, considered employees. Like, does that mean that they have to be the ones to pick up the slack? You know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, how this actually pans out. But I guess time time will tell. Maybe this time next year, we'll we'll hear more about what actually happened over the, the next 12 months. Um, but yeah, let's, um, let's move on to the next story. Uh, John... Twitch looks like uh, looks like it had its uh, tracky decks pulled down and and showed to the world. What, what happened over <laughs> at Twitch? Yeah, um, I think the first known time it's like ever happened. Um, a website has been completely leaked <laughs> to the to the world. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So four um, chan is a terrifying force. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So originally reported by Video Games Chronicle, it's um, an anonymous hacker on four chan. They leaked the entire Twitch platform. To for, um, via a 125 gigabyte torrent. Um, yeah, it's Crazy. been confirmed that it's legitimate. Um, includes source code for the Twitch platform, creator payout reports from 2019 to October, October 2021, so this month, right? Yes, <laughs> and code for an unreleased Steam competitor called Vapor that never, yeah, that never came out. That's uh, why Vapor. Why I get it because it's like Steam, but 
hopefully it's not called vapor because like vapor when it comes to software is a different like is not a good thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway sorry um so yeah so this news follows the rise of organized hate raids in recent months which targeted minority group streamers and the subsequent and also um, led to the subsequent a day off or hashtag a day off twitch protest that we covered a little while ago um, which mm. saw a notable dip in twitch viewership when, when it was um, when it happened um, the user who posted the original torrent they said that it seems to be connected to this recent um, this recent news of hate raids and such and um, by saying that the goal behind their leak was to quote foster more disruption and competition in the online video streaming space because quote their community is disgusting toxic cesspool <laughs> oh Define toxic cesspool wow. when you are doing such things. Like, I, like, I'm not entirely sure. It's it's very much a counterproductive thing of, oh, we are going to go harass these creators and put undue stress on them because, you know, it's the to- toxic cesspool. You know? We're not the yeah. ones fostering it. We're not responsible for it. It's the, the cognitive dissonance just astounds me. Yeah, it's like, um, it's like oh, we robbed the bank and potentially traumatizes the staff and the innocent people there because the corporation's bad. It's like, yeah, but the people directly affected by it, you know, the people who are trying to sweep up like the security workers or like the community managers and everything who are like facing all the complaints saying, oh my God, um, have any other details been exposed? What if, like, imagine being a, like someone from a group that's already been harassed. Like what if something else was exposed that, you know, could potentially identify you or something? That's, it's pretty scary. <sighs> It's also kind of crappy as well, people's pay information being sort mm. of just, like, put out there. Yeah. I mean... Like, oh, I earned this much. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it's already, yeah. like, creators are already under a lot of public scrutiny in general about, like, how much money do you make and, like, whether or not they mm. are deserving of that money as well. Like, you see that a lot, especially with minority streamers and female and non-binary streamers. It's, like, it's not really necessary. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think you're necessarily creating a more transparent space when you are actively um yeah targeting minority streamers and i'm sure the the same people who question all those other ones who are hardcore pro-capitalism and stuff is like well isn't capitalism like if if someone wants it i'll sell it right like so why does it matter if you if i deserve it or not you know what i mean Mm. um yeah but uh what else happened there yeah, just to close up. A lot of things happened there. Yeah, um, a little bit. Um, following the breach, um, it was revealed to the Verge from a few former Twitch employees um, that management consistently ignored safety concerns in favor of profits. So, um, a quote from them was, "If it wasn't generating revenue, then it wasn't valued as highly." So, um, additionally, um, these sources complained to Verge that Twitch wouldn't would regularly choose not to disclose platform security issues. So this led to at least um, one instance of like sca- um, streamers being scammed because of this information. Yeah. Oh, because of this, um, yeah, because these issues just not being, um, I guess, guess not being fixed, but also just not being like discussed or anything. You know, so people didn't, you know, yeah. weren't aware to be aware of it. Like to be like so it's cautious. safe to say that um, four-day work week is not coming to Twitch anytime soon. <laughs> Probably not. Ah, <laughs> uh, 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 this is uh, it's just it's just like a contrast between the two approaches. Like, I mean, obviously, the first story about Idos Montreal was coming from a press release, so of course it's going to be all positive. But um, like, just hearing what's happening in Twitch, not just now, but like over the last couple of years, like, <laughs> I mean. 
putting aside, you know, its ties to being an Amazon-owned company and, you know, having essentially limitless resources, but not putting the resources that the people... Not implementing features to protect its, like, communities. Like Yeah, it's <coughs> very on-brand mm. for Amazon. Yeah. And, and who knows, maybe the source code leak might lead people to creating, like, an open source or, like, a community-friendly alternative to twitch because frankly speaking if you're not on twitch or on youtube gaming like you're not online like uh, does anyone maybe maybe it's really big in brazil maybe facebook gaming is really big in brazil because it's like everyone's on facebook but i feel like once mix is gone it's just youtube and youtube's not even that big oh facebook gaming is definitely a thing it's just not quite as like mainstream um, i guess yeah yeah that might be the word for it at least mainstream to mm. like people who follow games as far as i know yeah. there's a, like a lot of facebook gaming people like it's definitely its own platform it's just you don't hear about it much i think from the yeah. sources we cover mm. yeah we, 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 we're too um uptight that's what that's what i'm hearing that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're snooty about our streaming platforms yeah, um. <laughs> it's about the streaming <laughs> platforms. Uh, yeah, I know. It's yeah. it just feels yeah. especially <laughs> though like um, it's good to some degree that it's come out in terms of transparency about you know Twitch's security <laughs> or lack thereof, lack thereof of security measures. But it still it feels very wrong when it comes out of something like 4chan, <laughs> like it's yeah. and like with a express link to just sort of I guess targeting particular streamers who really <laughs> probably already receive like an extra amount of hate than the average stream than the average streamer on Twitch. Yeah. So it's mm. I don't know. Just feels Yeah, who knows? Strange. Maybe this like hacker was like, I told Twitch multiple times that this I've got this, this is gonna happen and then Twitch did nothing, so here we go. Because I know a lot of uh, like white hat hackers do that for um it, okay, sorry. I, I did quote quotation marks like with my fingers for that because I know that a lot of hackers do that where they make something known to a company and then when the company doesn't respond for a while, they just release it and then let the company deal with it. But yeah, anyway, this is... Um, we've said enough. Twitch doesn't need any more like, <laughs> like a time in the limelight from us. I'm sure next week there'll be something else. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure that will <laughs> Touch wood. Um, yeah, but speaking of partnerships with shady companies, let's talk about... <laughs> EA Sports and re- EA Sports reviewing its naming partnership with FIFA, um, which is the world's governing body for football or soccer. Uh, <coughs> essentially, in a press release celebrating FIFA 22's launch, which just came out a couple of weeks ago, uh, EA Sports Group General Manager Cam Weber said that a whole bunch of positive shit, whatever, but <laughs> interestingly, capped off the press release by saying, Quote, as we look ahead, we're also exploring the idea of renaming our global EA Sports football games. Uh, and this means we're reviewing our naming rights agreement with FIFA, which is separate from all of our other official partnerships and licenses across the football world. So essentially, uh, like reassuring players that all the clubs, players, teams and everything would stay the same. It would just be like the FIFA branding on the cover would be different. Now... Obviously, uh, like uh, Weber didn't mention any specifics around why this might be happening, but given the controversy surrounding FIFA and its uh, like shady politics internally, as well as the 
accusations of corruption, especially around the Qatar 2022 uh, World Cup. I think it's Qatar next year. I think that's the one that is the main concern. Um, like, I, I'm not at all surprised if that may be part of the reason why uh, EA is looking to distance its, itself from FIFA specifically and not football. Because clearly there's still billions of dollars in it. Uh, Kate, do you think this might be something that EA's thinking about? Um, distancing themselves from FIFA? Um, mm. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I mean, uh, I don't necessarily know why they would do it. I feel like FIFA makes <laughs> like a lot of money for them um, yeah. overall. I think, isn't it one of the best selling like titles Games, for them? Like pretty much every, yeah, yeah. So, and it's like a pop cultural phenomenon. It's yeah. just known everywhere. But I mean, I suppose FIFA has been the at least the the institute has been under a lot of fire for you know <laughs> just a few things going on in the sporting world. But at least from a business standpoint, it doesn't make a lot of sense because at least I feel like the people. <laughs> well, I feel like the people that play FIFA don't necessarily engage with the engage with the game of soccer that much i don't know i feel like it's a bit more than just um like the game of fifa is just more than people who enjoy soccer or football in that way i think people just play it because it's a fun thing to play with their friends um i personally don't get it but that's just me um yeah john (laughs) oh um yeah i'm kind of curious like because it feels like something where they could drop the fifa name which assumingly saves them huge amounts of money from paying to fifa because they've like have a history of charging a lot for that kind of um, brand yeah. partnership, right? Um, so I can understand why they'd want to potentially drop it, save the money, and then kind of rebuild the brand under EA football, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It seems like a risk EA wouldn't take, but I don't know. Maybe the maybe they kind of see something on the horizon with FIFA even more, <laughs> just like even more controversy, <laughs> even more. Inside tip. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they really don't want to be associated with that. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing, I guess. I don't know what what like I guess it would just be called like EA Sports Football or EA Football or EA Soccer. I don't know what else it could really be called. Yeah, it'd um, have to be called like renamed for different regions. <laughs> They'll probably start having to do that because a lot of people like, yeah, maybe they should just call it Winning Eleven and just go full like Konami. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> take that name. Uh, yeah, because I think isn't the Konami game called like Football World or something. It was it's called like World Football. It, it it's changed to something generic instead of Pro Evolution Soccer. So maybe isn't that just yeah, e soccer? Oh yeah, e soccer, which yeah. is dumb. But it's also no, e, I think it's e football. Oh right, yeah. just depending <laughs> on what it is. But yeah, it's one of those things. Um, yeah, who knows? That would be interesting to see because there's definitely a lot of legacy. Like I remember playing like FIFA '94 and like Sega. <laughs> That's right. been around for a long time. Uh, but you know, speaking of uh, things that have been around for a long time and 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 moving away, uh, John, do you want to talk about what's happening uh, at Ryuga Gotoku Studio and the Yakuza series? Yeah, some big uh, staffing changes coming to mm. um, Ryuga Gotoku. <laughs> Gotaku. <laughs> uh, Yakuza Ryuga, Studio. Ryuga Gotoku. Yeah, I give up. Um, my, uh, my my solid uh, six years of Japanese study coming back in so I can pronounce oh. things. <laughs> um, anyway, Yakuza Studio. I'll, I'll say it better next time. <laughs> um, they've confirmed yep. they've confirmed a few things all at once in a blog post posted on the studio's website. 
Um, one, they confirmed the Yakuza Like a Dragon sequel um, is in development. Um, two, series director Toshihiro Nagoshi and series, uh, yeah, series producer Daisuke Sato are parting the studio. Um, they do very important leads to the Yakuza franchise and to the studio in general. And um, for the sequel and studio going forward, um, Masahoshi, <laughs> I should have pronounced these names before, ahead of time. It's phonetic. Masayoshi Yama <laughs> will succeed Nagoshi as studio lead, while producer Hiroyuki Sakamoto and director Ryosuke, Ryosuke Hori, <laughs> Hori um, will, in Sato's words, become core leaders within Ryo Goto. Goto. <laughs> within the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I, keep, I keep like reading it and it's like, oh, that's right. I can't say this. The only um, the only thing about Japanese and where, where it starts to deviate is R's are pronounced like L's, but it's not yeah. pronounced properly like L's. It's like, do you? It's like halfway. It's like, it's yeah. like halfway. So, There's yeah. certain names yeah. that are like. Yuga <laughs> Studio. Like yeah. I follow yeah, like a bunch of. Asked... I've gotten really good at saying like certain like Japanese like pro wrestlers names because I say like I like think of them <laughs> like because I've like taught myself how to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned oh, it anyway. I was meant yeah. to. Didn't end up doing it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so um, basically the entire, like, top level of the staff in the, um, the studio has been um, kind of, like, shuffled around. Um, this departure also aligns with a report from August that um, Nagoshi in particular, there was no mention of Saito in it, that they will be um, moving over to Chinese developer NetEase, which is a similar, a, a developer that is in similar level to Tencent in China. Um, so as... Per that report, said that he would be setting up his own team and developing his own new games. Um, but this wasn't confirmed at the blog post, which makes sense. Um, yeah, so big change for that studio. So I'm kind of curious because he's like, Negoshi in particular has been like a very creative lead for the studio for a long time. Um, so maybe we'll be big getting the long awaited Sleeping Dog sequel that never happened. But now it's going to c- come from a Japanese developer from a Chinese company, a better Hong Kong mafia story like hey you know what I'll, I'll take that i'll take anything at this stage i think we already got judgment that probably that's probably counts right <laughs> do, we really, need, game, do we really need a sleeping yeah. dog sequel though it was already such a good game to begin with it didn't, i don't think it needs <laughs> anything in addition to what it already is you could say you should let sleeping dogs lie <sighs> i don't know i just feel like some games are like mm. like i'm kind of annoyed at the fact that bioshock bioshock is getting a fourth game for instance I'm like, no, oh, just let it die. Let it exist as it is. Stop trying to carry just it on. Die. Leave it. Let it die. Let it exist as it is. It's good as it is. I don't need anything more. But There's money no, on the table. <laughs> oh, it just bothers me. It bothers me intensely. Yeah, and I think it's. I think there's been enough time. I think it's been longer since Bioshock Infinite than between Bioshock Infinite and the first Bioshock. So it's like, yeah. it's it's... Like just, it's like also just, like Naughty Dog yeah. remaking or there being a remake of the original Last of Us. And I'm like, it came out in 2013. Like, what? Is there a remake? There's a remake in the process, yeah, of the first what? game. And I'm like, there is a remastered edition. Why do you need to remake it? Remake what is it. Like, what is the purpose? I think it's because it's supposed to be aligning with the TV show coming out eventually. Oh, okay. But I'm like, there's no reason. Like, you have absolutely oh, no reason to think that there's a remastered edition <laughs> that you can access on the PS5 store. Like, it comes oh with P- PlayStation Plus. Oh, Why would you need to remake it? Like, so silly. Yeah. So but anyway, back silly. to Like a Dragon. Yeah, the well, Star Fruit um, Shuffling. Yeah, well, I think, uh, I think there's not much else to really say. I think it's good to see Like a Dragon doing well enough that justifies a sequel, which is cool. I wonder where 
I wonder if it'll be like that turn-based style of combat or if it'll be like another flip to something else. That, that'll be cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think they've confirmed before that their plan was to have Judgment be the brawler one and Yakuza yeah. going forward be the turn-based-ish game that it was last time. So, um, mm. yeah, but plans could change. New creative leads and so. so. I want a rhythm game, a mafia-based rhythm game. <laughs> I'm sure Yakuza in it. <laughs> I'm sure Yakuza would probably be the be, be the perfect one to do it. Like honestly, I yeah, think it would yeah. be really fun though for Yakuza to do like an arcade rhythm game. <laughs> like, you know, like I don't know, something akin to Dance Dance Revolution where you get to do <laughs> like yeah. a, a but it's all Yakuza themed. Um Yakuza, really feel nice. the beat. Second yeah. edition. Because <laughs> there's a um in Melbourne, for anyone who wants to come to Melbourne initially, there is a bar in Melbourne Central, like relative out it's called lucky bean sons where okay. you can it's like an adult only arcade you, you can only you can be 18 to get into in there because it's like basically you can go get a drink you can get a little card and you go play arcade games and it's really fun and i think that'd be fun to do with a drink it's just like to play a bunch of other games they have like beat saber in there as well like an oh, arcade wow, version cool. of beat saber Sweet. um if you come to melbourne yeah go get to go there it's really fun like it's a really fun place to be it's also like if you're waiting, because Hoyts is just above it, so if you're waiting for a movie, you can go in there and play yeah, a bunch of arcade games. Time, time oh, kill. Cool. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, that brings us to uh, the final story, and it's a similar vein uh, in terms of Sony and remakes, and that's uh, the fact that Sony might be poised to announce a a, a beloved kind of PlayStation quote-unquote remake. Uh, we don't know what the game is, but... Uh, hints uh, that it's a Square Enix classic. So uh, basically this came out of uh, Ireland. So according to Video Games Chronicle, Irish folk singer Eva Eva, Eva McMahon so uh, her name's Eva and the, but it's pronounced like she goes by the stage name of Ava which is like the English spelling AVA. Um, she revealed that uh, she worked with an Irish producer called Michael McGlynn for an unannounced PlayStation remake. Uh, she actually used the term remake there. So she wrote the lyrics um, for uh, with him uh, for a new song. He's actually done some work with PlayStation before, so it's not out of the ordinary that he's doing something for PlayStation. Um, and what's interesting is that... Uh, she kind of revealed this in an interview on a radio show um, on WLIFM. So uh, basically, on a radio show in Ireland, she said, uh, quote, for ages, I wasn't allowed to really... Uh, you don't know what you're writing for. It's kind of undisclosed because they don't want it to get out. Um, pretty standard practice in the games industry. Don't wanna, You don't want people announcing games that you haven't formally announced properly. Um, but... Uh, uh, and she added that, uh, quote, it's actually going to be announced at Christmas, uh, the name of the game. I've heard of it now and I've been told and had it confirmed that it's a big game, which is great. So it's going to be an Irish language piece in the game, which is brilliant. And um, end quote. So it's uh, written in Irish, sung in Irish, and obviously must feature Celtic production, hence why the collaboration with Irish creators. And um, I guess that's been done before. Like, I think... I don't know what games there were, but I know that Square Enix and, and uh, some PlayStation games have had kind of like uh, like very Celtic sound soundtracks in them. I'm only thinking of Hellblade right now, but they actually didn't. Hellblade didn't actually use much Celtic music. They actually went to like Norwegian and Scandinavian like heavy metal and um, coped with it there. Which so. is, I guess, uh, contrast to what you'd expect. 
Mm. Well, I think it's because the the story particularly pertains to Vikings and Celtic and Celtic or like yeah history. So oh, there's works. a bit of overlap there, I guess, back then. But yeah, um, makes sense. But I guess the mm. I'm seeing some speculation. Strings. Yeah. I'm seeing some speculation online that it also so we're saying it could be Xenogears, right? But I'm seeing some speculation. Yeah, Xenogears. I'm seeing some speculation it could be Metal Gear Solid as well, like the original one. Which... Yeah, that because that did I think have some like kind of. Okay, I think it just had some strings. I think it's a bit of a stretch for me, but mm. it is a beloved PlayStation classic. Um, but it would be weird to put Celtic singing there. Um, but yeah. the reason why people are pointing at Xenogears is because it, I think it had that kind of European setting, plus um, the game's uh, like, I guess, a Square Enix composer who's worked on other Xeno games and like the Chrono series. Uh, by the name of Yasunori Mitsuda, uh, recently tweeted a photo of him working, uh, like like a doing like a video chat with um, uh, Michael McGlynn and his daughter, who's singing the song that uh, that we're talking about. So like the fact that we've got someone who's a Square Enix kind of alum, like veteran, working with the people named <laughs> in this story, is probably why Video Game Chronicles, uh, Video Games Chronicle, kind of hinted at Xenogears, which which came out in 1998. So classic. JRPG uh, being uh, the subject of a of a remake, it'll be interesting because, like, I know the Xeno ge- the, like the Xeno is it Xeno Chronicles? Is that what I'm thinking? Xenoblade. Xenoblade. Yeah. So like that's kind of the lineage. Mm. Like this must have been like one of the early games, but I wonder how much appetite there is for a remake of that. But judging by the response to Final Fantasy VII remake, I'm sure there's a lot. Um, fans out yeah, there. I, I will say I've read like I have no knowledge of Xenosaga or Xenogears. I know it existed mm. before Xenoblade, and that's most of it. <laughs> but I've read mm. a lot of comments that it's like those games are like truly beloved for the people who have played them. They're just not really like oh, known okay. in the mainstream. They're not so mainstream. Kinda, so I could see Square Enix like you know, when I was like, oh, we have yeah. these like actual masterpieces that we just mm. no one can buy anymore. Let's just make yeah. money off it again. Yeah. Yeah, I think and, yeah. And if, like Sony's happy to foot co-marketing or co-production money. Why not? Mm. I think the video game industry has truly reached like the movie stage of like remaking everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know what? What is painful to me? Like I haven't played many RPGs, but I did play a lot of Chrono Trigger, and I, why doesn't that game get a remaster? Like it has beautiful music, it has fantastic art style. Like it was, it has such a cool stories and characters and stuff. Like, why, why not that game? <laughs> Wasn't that PC port no. pretty good from a couple of years ago, or at least it got good? Yeah. yeah, but it's like, why not give that the full like? You know, imagine getting like, uh, what is it, uh, like Arxis some works or like, uh, I feel like there's like other studios who are like really good at um art you know what i mean like and just creating something so amazing and i don't know like ah anyway i'm Um, just bummed out (laughs) i just want konami to get off their ass and actually make another silent hill game please because resident evil is getting all these fantastic titles like they're getting all the yeah any movie they're getting a bunch of good stuff where's my silent hill content come on sony (laughs) come on kick konami in the ass please tell them they have to get this done yeah and like um... the yeah, all those the eternal wound that is PT will just sit in my heart forever. Oh, PT! Yeah, all those Silent Hill rumors so have been like swirling about again for the last like month or so. Yeah. Like it keeps happening. Like it always happens, but it's been happening again the last like yeah, few weeks. Because uh, the current rumor, uh, 
Yeah, the current rumor is that um, sorry, the current rumor is that Kojima Productions is somehow tied back into making Silent Hills again, um, with Konami and Konami are like looking for other studios. Like that room, that kind of rumor has come up again, and the idea that Kojima and Konami would work again is like okay. Like a lot of people also Konami signed a publishing deal with Bluber Team. I think it's Bluber Team, the one that's that's made um that uh, medium, the medium. I saw I saw some rumors circulating as well that they were taught, they were in talks with the people that made Blair Witch, the Blair Witch game as well. Uh, like there's yeah, a bunch of rumors bad. swirling around about Silent Hill as well, and it's God, yeah. it's just it sucks as well because PT would have been like the pinnacle of like all these great like because they had Junji Ito on the art team doing all the monster designs, yeah. Guillermo del Toro and Hideo Kojima working yeah. together, and it's like mm. never yeah. gonna get yeah, anything so as beautiful developer, as that. Bluber team did. Blair Witch. Oh, yeah, so, yeah hey, you're yeah. right. Makes sense. Mm. Um, so there's pedigree there, but yeah, we'll see. We <sighs> shall see. We're like, so, yeah, Sony, a... please do things we want, <laughs> please. How dare you? Yeah, that's uh, that's gonna do uh, for the news for another week. There was uh, plenty to talk about there in terms of like number of stories, but like in terms of like huge game changing things. I think the the four day work week is probably the one that's gonna have the biggest I think repercussions, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Twitch following this. If Twitch is gonna take security a lot more secu- um, seriously, or if you know you might see some cheeky competitors come up. Um, but yeah, um, for folks at home, um, please. Uh, please write in at podcast at doublejump.co if you have any questions for us or if you had any thoughts about any of the topics we discussed today or uh, or your impressions of Deathloop or the Battlefield 2042 open beta. Um, but yeah, uh, Kate, John, thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. Kate, hopefully you enjoyed your, I guess, officially second, first time, but your second time on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And again, talk, I, get, I rant mostly about the Arcane game. Figures. <laughs> Makes sense. Figures. Uh, but yeah, John, uh, always appreciate you uh, being here to kind of like be the, re- the, the reasonable one when I'm making stupid jokes or <laughs> on yeah, and pr- mispronouncing <laughs> Japanese names, apparently. Um, yeah, so it's yeah, all thanks, good. guys. Uh, you, you'll, you'll, get, you'll get your chance to talk about Japanese wrestling next week. So oh, you've definitely. got plenty, plenty of time <laughs> to practice. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's going to do it for another episode. Hopefully everyone at home, you enjoyed what you heard. If you uh, love uh, to uh, see more content from all of us, be sure to head over to doublejump.co to read all of our written content. John's uh, speculation around Bayonetta 3, uh, Kate's death of review and future articles, as well as the Double Jump Digest every week. So until next time, look out for one another. Peace. Bye.